Maybe some of you have noticed it, but Facebook has some weird stuff on it, uh, maybe to, to say that nicely. There's some goofy stuff that you'll find on Facebook, and you can probably think of some of the stuff. Uh, occasionally, I will see this, and I'm just going to tell you, occasionally I'll see this. There is a picture of Jesus on the road to Calvary, and he has the crown of thorns that's pressed down into his brow there, and he's there traveling on the road, and he's laying over on his side, and he's collapsed under the weight of the cross, and there's blood running off of his brow, and he's looking up, and here's the goofy thing. It'll say this, share if you would help Jesus. I look at that, and I think, well, how, how goofy that is. Of course, uh, most people, if they could find somehow, they would, they would help Jesus. But I think about that. You know, sharing that on Facebook doesn't help anything. For sure, it doesn't help Jesus. And really, the weirdness of Facebook is when you post that, I would help Jesus. It really makes us look good. And isn't that the point of Facebook, to make us look good? Well, when I see that, uh, I want to write this. Now, I've never written this. But when I see that, I would like to write this. Share if you realize you are the reason he's there. Today we're going to continue in, in Luke chapter 23, the account of the trial and the beatings and the crucifixion and the death of our Savior, Jesus. And let me just say, maybe a good starting place this morning, maybe a, a good point of reference this morning is to start off and for us to say, for us to know today, we are the reason for those events. Our sin, our rebellion, mine and yours, we are the reason for those events. I'm afraid that when we read this account this many years later, it is easy to somehow separate ourselves from those goings on. But the reality is this. The beatings, they were mine. They weren't his. The shame and the guilt, they were mine due to my sin, and they were never his. The death, the brutal, painful death was due of me. It was not due of him. And maybe as we read our verses today, we would do well to remember, I am the reason for these events. The scourging, the beating, the march to the cross, the crucifixion. I am, you are, we are the reason for these events. Our message this morning is entitled, A Warning on the Way. A Warning on the Way. Our verses today are Luke chapter 23, today verses 26 through 31. A Warning on the Way. Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 31. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 23, beginning here in the 26th verse, says this. When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed him on the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. 
For if they do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, we're thankful for a Savior that is kind and is gracious, that hears our prayers, a, a, a Savior that has secured our redemption, our forgiveness, who's, who has taken our guilt and our shame and, and who he himself is born in and then done away with it. Lord, we're thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for the word of God that we have today, and I pray that as we open it up today that you would speak to us. I pray that it would be your truth that would be known. It would be, it would be your words that would change our, our minds and our hearts and our attitudes. Lord, I pray for some in this, in this very room that do not know you. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the good news, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and as we see this picture, as we unfold these events, this actual event, Lord, we just praise you. We thank you. We stand in awe of you. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus, in his name, amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to continue in the actual, factual, historical account again, of Jesus' trials, of his, of his beatings, of his, of his crucifixion. And I, I always want to start off and say, this is an actual account. This is the historical account. This is not somebody's interpretation of the account. This is not a symbolic representation of the account. This is the actual account of the trial, the accusations, the beatings, the, the, the pain, the suffering, and the death by crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we move in today, again, understand this is the historical account of these proceedings. Let's begin today, again, looking in our verses. We're going to start today in verse 26. When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed him on, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Now, verse 26 is the next progression in the account. We have been passing through the account the last several weeks. Well, verse 26 is the next progression in the account. Now, there's a lot to see here in verse 26. Notice, first off, it says this. When they led him away. They seized a man. When they led him away, they seized a man. Well, the first question is, who, is the, who are those that are called they? Who is this referring to? Understand, they is referring to the Roman soldiers, the soldiers who are in charge of the execution. In fact, we're going to see and we know that they are experts in the art of punishment and death. And so they, when it says they, it is talking about the Roman soldiers. Now, I think it's important to see this. A Jewish conspiracy, a Jewish ploy has now resulted in a Roman execution. Do you understand that? This was the, the desire of the Jews. This was the ploy of the Jews. And now this Jewish conspiracy has resulted in a Roman execution. Understand when Pilate concedes to the Jews 
when he turns Jesus over, he's not turning him over back to the Jews. He's turning him over to the Roman executioners. And so this is no longer exclusively a Jewish event. And so this Jewish ploy is going to result in a Roman execution. The verse says, when they led him away. Well, understand, Roman tradition was to force the accused or the criminal to carry the beam of his own cross. And, and some think it would be the whole cross, but most likely because of the weight of it all, it was the, the beam, the cross beam of the cross. Now their tradition was after the, the declaration of the punishment, uh, they, would, they would hand them the beam, they would apply to them the beam and they would carry it to the site of the crucifixion. Now, the beam, they estimate, would weigh between 55 and 75 pounds. And so it was a substantial beam. Well, understand, this was part of their plan. This carrying of the cross was part of the shame of the cross. As the convicted walked through the streets of his peers, walked through the streets maybe of his childhood and carried this beam of the cross. It was part of the shame of the cross. It was also part of the mental torture of the cross. Think about that. You have to carry your own instrument of death. It wasn't enough that they would drag you there and there would be waiting for you. Part of the mental torment is you are carrying your own instrument of death. This instrument, this beam would result in your death. This was also part of the pain of the crucifixion. At this point, to have to carry this weight and to, to carry it to the cross would add to the pain of the crucifixion. Understand the context at this point. At this point, Jesus, this is our specific case, Jesus has been beaten. He was beaten when they, when they took him out of the garden. He was beaten fiercely in the courtyard of Annas, the former high priest. He was also beaten again when he was, when he was questioned and held by Caiaphas there in the mock trial as the sun came up at sunrise. And so Jesus has continually been beaten. He's been beaten when they captured him in all the, the false trials. He's been beaten and he's been beaten. Now we know at this point, he has also been beaten by the Roman executioners. The worst of it was the scourging, the scourging. We know that, that Jesus was scourged before he was taken away to the cross. Now, scourging is the act of bending the person over a post. And they would tie their hands and they would bend them over the post and they would tie them up. And there they would whip them across the back. Now, it wasn't a normal whip. It was a multi-pronged whip. And on the end of each of the strands of the whip, there would be pieces of bone or pieces of glass. Now, in this process, the, the, the ribs will be deeply bruised. The, the muscle between the ribs will be torn away from the ribs as the ribs were separated in the beating. In the, the process of scourging, the internal organs and oftentimes the intestines would spill out of the person as their skin is torn away. There will be intense internal bleeding in the person as they receive their scourging. There will be also great external bleeding as the tears of the flesh then open up as the person is bent over the post. They tell us it is not uncommon 
for a person to have at least one of their lungs collapse or be punctured as one of the end pieces of bone would snag and tear open part of the lung. And so many times one of their lungs would collapse or be ripped open. A person finishing this process would have seizures. They would pass out only to be waking up again. They would vomit. They would shake. They would sweat profusely. The body under such stress, under the, the, the weight of such stress, doesn't know, doesn't know how to react. And so the person would stand there and they would sweat and they would bleed and they would hurt. And if they passed out, they would make sure they woke them back up and they, they propped them back up. They would vomit. Now, special for Jesus, there in the praetorium, it says that the soldiers made a crown of thorns. Now, this wasn't done to anybody else. This was special for his case as the king of the Jews. And so they, they fashioned a crown of thorns and they pushed it into his head. They, they would rake the, 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 the bones of his skull with the thorns and it would tear away at his scalp. And in great pain, it would be applied to his head. And the, the thorns would sting as they're pushed in. And so understand the context. On this day, it was then that he would start the approximate half mile through the city to Calvary. Having endured all of that, having suffered all of that, it was then at that point that he would then begin the, the trip of about a half mile through the city to Calvary. See the context. Alone, naked, Trembling, shaking, aching, bleeding, most likely vomiting, there stands Jesus. Can you see him? There stands Jesus. His ribs are bruised and his flesh is torn. He's been beaten and he's been beaten and he's been mocked and spat upon. And there he has a crown of thorns and it's pushed into his head. It's not going to fall off. It's pushed into his scalp. And there stands Jesus and in, in agony. He doesn't know how to respond to the pain. And if he were to, to pass out, they would revive him and wake him up again. And in intense pain, he stands there. He can't breathe because of the, the, the injury to his lungs, the injury to his rib cage. And there, as he starts to walk, stands Jesus. Can you picture 33 years earlier when the angels pronounced in great joy, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There stands Jesus. And the lamb starts the final trip, the final half mile to the final altar. Now the gospels do not tell us why. But for some reason, most likely to the failing of his strength, most likely to the, the constraints of their time to be done with this, a man, Simon, is seized. He's from Cyrene. The Bible tells us that's where he's from. That's in North Africa. Uh, most likely this was a Jewish person, a Jewish man. He was most likely also in the city for the holiday, for the festival. Uh, most likely, like Jesus, he 
stayed outside of the city at night and then would come back in during the day. And so it says he was coming in from the country, most likely like many of the people that hadn't found lodging, he would stay somewhere outside of the city. And on this day, he's coming back into the city and the Bible says the Romans grab him and they placed on him the cross of Jesus. And notice it says to carry behind Jesus. Jesus is still walking to Calvary. Jesus is still making his way, but now behind him, here's this man, Simon, and he's carrying the crossbeam for Jesus. I want you to see two things here, and I think they're, they're important. The first thing is this, and it's just a picture that we catch a glimpse of here. The first thing is this. I believe this is a picture of the first disciple. Simon, I'm sure, was reluctant. I believe that. Simon, I'm sure, was, was forced. I know the Bible says that. But nevertheless, here we have the very first person who has taken up the cross of Jesus Christ and is found following Jesus. Remember, it was Jesus who said, to be my disciple, you're gonna have to take up your cross and follow me. And so I think here in this picture, we see a glimpse of the very first disciple as he carries the, the beam, the cross, and he follows after Jesus. It's a picture of discipleship. Second thing, and see this, be sure of this, listen. It doesn't matter who carried the cross only Jesus as the perfect lamb of God, only Jesus as the sinless lamb of God could bear the cross. See that. It doesn't matter who carried the cross because only Jesus could bear the cross. And be sure when they reach the summit of this terrible hill, it will be then Jesus' cross to bear. It will then be Jesus' blood that is shed. It will then be Jesus' death that would follow. And listen, praise the Lord, because there can only be salvation in the cross that is borne by the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus. And so it doesn't matter who carries the cross, only Jesus can bear the cross. And praise the Lord, the sinless Lamb of God bears our cross. As I read across those verses... I'm reminded of our account last week of Barabbas. And just like Barabbas, now this week, we see that a sinner, Simon, will step away from the cross and Jesus will then assume the cross and Jesus will die. The, the sinner will step off and melt back into the crowd, but Jesus will bear the cross. Now after verse 26, there's an interesting exchange. And really, as you read across it several times, it's a pretty profound exchange. Imagine what is about to be said here. Listen to what is being said here in this exchange. Verse 27. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. Now, verse 27 says, a large crowd. Now, the, the, the crowd of Pilate's courtyard has now turned into the street and they're following the procession. They're following the event 
to the place of the crucifixion. They wanted to see that it was finished. They were the ones who had shouted, crucify him. And so now they have poured into the street to follow the Savior to see it finished. And so the crowd follows after Jesus. But it also says this, and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. Bible tells us, mixed in this crowd, there are some women who are grieving the fate of Jesus. These women, they've mixed into this, this hostile crowd, and as they are following after, they are, they are grieving, they are, the Bible says, lamenting over the fate of Jesus. Do you know that not in any of the gospel accounts, is there a record of a single female, a single woman who strikes out at Jesus? There's not an account of a single female who is aggressive and who attacks Jesus. There's not the account of a single female who plots to destroy and kill Jesus. There's not a record of one, but you know, there are women who listen and who learn from Jesus. There are women who serve Jesus and who serve with Jesus. There are women who worship at his feet knowing who he is. And on this terrible day, as he makes the last half mile, there are some women who are lamenting the fate of their Savior, Jesus. They follow him mourning. Verse 28. But Jesus turning to them. Really, really understand the heaviness of that. Remember the condition that Jesus is in, the state that Jesus is in. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Listen to verse 28 again. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. The word for weep here, the original language, means lament. Now there's a couple versions of that. This one is an audible version. It means to audibly wail. It means to sob Aloud, and it's induced because of great mourning. And so he says, he says, weep, and it's talking about wailing, sobbing audibly. Stop weeping for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Mourn for yourselves. Well, for yourselves and for your children. Verse twenty-nine. For behold, the days are coming when they will say. Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. For behold is what Jesus says. It means to see, see this, be warned. The days are coming when they will say the cry will be blessed. It means, it means favored, it means happy. Blessed are the barren. Blessed are those who never had children. I want you to understand how stark that is, how that must have impacted these women. To a Jewish woman, the worst thing possible was not to be able to have kids. 
To a Jewish woman in this day, it was considered a cursed thing. It was, it was reported to be somehow being out of favor with God. They couldn't imagine a worse fate for a woman. Well, Jesus says, the day is coming when happy, not cursed, but happy are those who would have never had children. Verse 30. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. See this part about the warning here. It's not to escape the hardship. Notice that. It is saying the mountains falling on you would be better. The the rocks falling down and caving in and crushing you, that that would be a better fate. And so, oh, that the, the mountain would fall on me, that a stone would crush me, that would be a better fate. Really, it's to be put out of your misery. And so... See Jesus beaten, hurting, struggling to the cross, turns and he says to these women, don't be concerned for me, don't weep for me, but rather weep for yourself and weep for your kids. It would be better that you never had any kids. It would be better for you that a mountain would fall on you. Don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Verse 31 For if they do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? For if they do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? That is a very hard verse to understand. That is a a complex verse to understand. Listen again very carefully to each of the words. For if they do these things, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry. Understand, as Jesus is being marched up the hill of Calvary, Jesus says here, be concerned for yourself. For if they will do these things while the tree is still green, that means while the tree still has life, while there's still sap and life in the tree, if they will do these things while the tree is still green, what will happen when the tree is dry? What will happen when these days have passed? Jesus says here, if this is how it is when the Savior is here, if this is how it is when the Messiah is here, if this is what they do in my presence, how bad do you think it's going to be in my absence? Jesus says, if this is what they do hearing the truth and seeing the truth, from the truth himself, how bad do you think it's going to be when I'm gone? I want you to understand how how stark of a warning that is. A man that's beaten within an inch of his life, a man who's, who's had his sides torn out from under him, a man who's marching his way to a brutal death on a cross says, if this is what they do when I'm here, can you imagine what it's going to look like when I'm gone? The warning of Jesus is that in the absence of Jesus, the world's going to get harder. The world's going to get callous. The world's going to become more violent. In the absence of Jesus, the world's going to become wicked and and more wicked. It's going to become evil, and there's going to be more evilness 
to the point that one day it's gonna get to the place that you would say, oh, that a rock would fall on me. That would surely be better. Oh, that I would have never had kids and brought them into this. It's so wicked here. Now stay with me. I believe this is talking about the Roman siege on Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Now I want you to listen very carefully. Many theologians say that. Many Bible scholars say that. In A.D. 70, not, not 50 years after Jesus says this, the Romans came and they, they ransacked the city. They, they killed, they slaughtered 1.1 million Jews, one estimation, slaughtered them. The account was they starved them out and then when they rushed the city, they took the kids and they killed them right there. They, they took the elderly, you might, well, well, we'll run them off as prisoners, they would kill them right there. The women, those that were weak, they killed them right there. They destroyed the city. They destroyed the temple. They even cut down the trees to make it look barren. They burned the city. They ransacked the city. They took almost 100,000 slaves I believe that's what that's talking about. But listen to me very carefully. I believe this warning is more. And I believe, listen very carefully, Jesus says, if they will do this now, if men can conceive such evilness now, if men can perpetrate such brutality now while the prince of peace is here in their midst, while the tree is green, what will happen when the tree is dry? Listen to me very carefully. I believe this is a warning for our day as well. I believe this is a warning for our age as well. When in our world today, there is more wickedness and more wickedness and more evilness and more vileness and more evilness. I believe it's talking about a day when a nation turns its back on God. A day when a nation turns its back on the word of God. I believe it's a day when the church at the very best is weak and at the worst the church has gone silent. I believe it's a day when it would be better had we not had kids because a sex trade would snatch them up and round them up and traffic them around and an NFL owner would pay to sleep with them and it would be a laughable misdemeanor. I believe it'll be a day when a baby's not safe in the sacredness of his mother's womb, even outside of his womb, but that we would take it and like savages, we would cheer its death, we would cheer the right to slaughter that baby. Oh, how wicked we've become. How wicked we are in the absence of Jesus. And the answer is still the one on his way to the cross. Find Jesus. Find Jesus. Do you see how wicked our hearts are? Find Jesus. Oh, that our, our people would find Jesus. That our neighbors would find Jesus. That our nation would find Jesus. Oh, listen, dear sinner. Find Jesus. The answer is still the one that walked the rest of the way to Calvary. Oh, that we would find Jesus. Find Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I just tell you, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for a nation 
that's so proud. We'll, we'll throw up our flags and we'll throw up our pride while we butcher our young, while we blink at a sex trade, while we laugh at perversion, while we call evil things good and good things evil. Lord, I'm sorry for churches that are so weak and pathetic. Sorry for churches that are silent, that wouldn't, that wouldn't speak out and say, boo, if you, if you chased us into it. Lord, I'm, thankful, I'm sorry for sinners who've been made to feel comfortable in their sin. Lord, I'm sorry for a gospel that's gone silent. Lord, I, I come in my prayer today is that we would find Jesus. That in your grace, you've made him known. My prayer is that we'd find Jesus. I pray for anybody in this room that's lost that today they'd find Jesus. I pray for us in this room that are saved that we would walk out knowing Jesus and we would help a lost world find Jesus. I pray as, as wickedness and violence just consumes us that in, the, in the, the mouth of the church that they would find Jesus. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, I come and at the same time and I tell you I'm sorry. I am so thankful for the perfect Lamb of God who didn't just carry a cross but who bore a cross. And on that cross and in, in, that, in that act on that altar is my sin. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of my sin. It's my shame. Lord, I'm thankful for the, the removal of my shame. That a certificate of death that was angry against me that I bear it no more because you bore it to that cross. Lord, I'm thankful for such a Savior. Lord, I'm thankful for such a salvation. Help us not be the same. Help us not be the same, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service, I pray that you have spoken, that you've touched our hearts, that you've grabbed our ears. And I pray for one, Lord, if, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we give this to you. In all of you, we give it to you. We praise you. We ask that you take it now and you use it. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.